0: And we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Father, thank you for the mercy that we receive there and grace to help us in our time of need, which we need you all the time. We, we know that, and we expect to receive from you everything that we need, Father. You won't. Uh, there's nothing you're withholding from us. Uh, everything that you do for us is on time, high quality a reflection of your glory and your goodness. So we thank you for that. We can count on you. Be consistent, faithful, God. So we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today I'm going to stir you up a little bit, hopefully, to uh, hold your peace and let God fight. Amen. Hold your peace and let God fight. Amen. In uh, 2 Corinthians 10.4 tells us something that's very important for us to remember. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Our warfare is not a carnal warfare. It's not a flesh and blood warfare. And It says, but mighty, our weapons are mighty, not carnal. So whenever you engage in strife and talking back and arguing, You're in a weak fight. You're showing weakness. Just a thought. You know, most people who have a lot of mouth have very little to back it up with or they get backed into a corner and have to do something stupid. You know, they wind up being pawns for the devil. And so people who walk in the spirit or walk with God or those who belong to God understand That you won't win anything in the flesh. Amen. You won't win a thing in the flesh. It won't avail you anything. And so how do we approach uh, uh, opposition? And we, we do it by holding our peace. You do it by holding on to the peace of God. Don't let your peace slip, in other words. Don't let it get away from you. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God... To the pulling down of strongholds. So you may win an argument and lose the war because the stronghold is still in operation. See? And we have to be wise and understand that if we hold our peace, God will work on the root cause of the thing or the strongest arm of that thing that we're wrestling with. You know, many times things that bother us are really symptoms of a deeper problem that's going on. It's not that thing that you're upset about. It's something else going on there. And uh, I tell people most of the time you take your problems with you everywhere you go. Or, you know, we all do. You know, it's like, you know, he's, oh, my boss don't like me. They cheat me bad at work. Well, that was, you said at the last place you were, you know, if you think about it. You understand? They don't like you nowhere. So it doesn't have, you can still go there and work and get a paycheck. I know so well you can. <laughs> Listen, if Joseph could be in prison and, and prosper down there and do his job, we can make it, okay? We can do this. You can do this. <clears throat> but they're mighty through God. and So that's the key, is getting through God and, and making sure he is the one fighting for you. So what we do is, is our responsibility is cast down these imaginations, these paranoid feelings that you get nobody likes you, and all these haters say, oh, ever since I got anointed, they've been there. Yeah. You ain't the first, you won't be the last. And they're probably more anointed than you are. You just can't see it. Hello. Hello. Your flesh plays tricks on you. It provides a veil to the truth. You know, you can't see the truth for so the, the key here is staying close to God. You know, when you when when the Bible says hold your peace, what does that mean? That means to hold on to uh, your frame of mind in God. It means not open your mouth. And say anything that, that would cause the battle to turn against you. <clears throat> to hold on to peace really means to hold on to the promises of God. Because the Bible says, if you, if whatever you lack, if you need something, let your request be made known to Him, and the peace of God which passes all understanding, you exchange your problem for His peace. When you go to him in faith and you go to him with a problem or an issue or a lack or anything like that, something in your life that's disturbing your peace, you go to him, you get his answer, and then his peace reassures you that he heard you and he's taking care of it. Amen. He is taking care of whatever it is. So we have a covenant of peace with God which means that whenever his peace is present with us, we know that it's taken care of. It's, it's a sense of well-being. I can remember when, when <clears throat> as a new Christian, when I would I would think one minute I, my mind was all messed up and I was so scared and I was so afraid of this, that, and, other. and the next thing I would know I'd get in the Word and I would, what I call, settle down. And, and I tried to look for the trouble in my head and it wasn't there anymore. You got me? I mean, now, people people who have nervous breakdowns do a lot of crazy stuff. Y'all don't never do. You understand what I'm saying? But we have a tendency to go through our heads sometimes trying to figure out where that went because it's so troubling to us at times. You understand what I'm saying? And so I would do that sometimes. i said, where did that go? Where did that go? Or I would feel strange because I wasn't upset anymore because it was a new feeling for me. You got me? But you can get used to God's peace. So I realized that I can walk in his peace. I can walk in contentment and assurance that whatever he did and took care of that, that was done. You understand me? And I didn't have to worry about it anymore. And so when we talk about the peace of God, it's a supernatural peace that passes all human reasoning, all human understanding. You can't explain it. Uh, but it's a, a strong sense of contentment and composure that's undisturbed. Got me? It is undisturbed. In fact, you can't disturb it yourself. You can't disturb your own peace sometimes when when God gives it to you. You just have to learn how to walk in it and and walk with it. So it's a good thing. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty. They are mighty. They are mighty. And so when we allow God to fight for us, we hold our peace and let him fight for us, we will find certain victory. We will find that we are undisturbed and we don't really participate in the battle. We take a stand. We stand in a place of undisturbed composure. And then God actually fights for us. He goes to bat for us. This is one of his covenant blessings, uh, one that he gave to our father Abraham. He said, I will bless those who bless you, will fight those who fight you, or contend with those who contend with you. The the key is is walking in faith in that realm of, of thought. You know, you must have faith that God fights for you. You don't have to have uh, a, an answer for everything. You don't have to uh, explain yourself to everybody. You don't have to defend yourself. You know, uh, the biggest, the biggest uh, um, uh, strategy of the enemy now, he is fighting a war of accusation uh, against people. Uh, for instance, if if you don't think like the the uh, minority minority crazy people think, you know the politically correct crazy minority people, uh, then you get um, accused. You know you're a homophobe or you're a this phobe or a that phobe, and you know okay, well I'm that, but I'm forgiven. They don't understand that language. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> That that upsets their heads. And so really what we have to do is let God fight our battles for us even in the court of accusation. Amen? You know, sometimes people aren't even worth responding to when they throw insults at you because if that's all they've got, those are words. But if you don't fight them yourself in the throne room of grace you'll start to let those words penetrate and they'll begin to dictate to your behavior and your thinking and all. That's what's happening to many ministers. They get on television and they think, I can't afford to offend anybody. I can't say certain things. I can't sound like this. And after a while, you're not even free to let God use you. All you're doing is parroting what everybody else is saying because it's acceptable to say. And so where's the gospel gone? I was looking, there was a group, I forget what group it was, one of the older denominations, you know, long since quit preaching the gospel, uh, but they were actually praying to Allah. And these are supposed to be Christian people, a bunch of leaders, and I, I think it was either Presbyterian or Methodist or somebody like Presbyterian, and they were praying to Allah see, They're so intimidated. Why they quit? Quit preaching Jesus so long ago. I mean, if you don't, you're the gospel. Preaching the gospel is how you live. That that preserves your life. You you're not going to live if you quit preaching the gospel and just have a social church, or it's where we come together because we got a building and we'll elect somebody and get a bunch of elders and, and there's no preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and there's no life of Christ there, you'll start praying to anybody, you see, because you have no God. You're just fair game. And so there are many things that are going on where God is exposing the lies that are in the hearts of men. Amen. He's exposing the lies that are in the hearts of men because he's ready to start gathering people unto himself. That's, that's what it is. It's a setup. For us being gathered uh, unto the Lord in a great, great way. So, people who can see through that and see, well, that's not right. Those people are Christians. I'm not going to that church. You know, at least make that decision and make sure that you don't go in a, a, a direction that's going to cause further compromise with the truth of God's Word. So, <clears throat> when we allow God to fight for us, miraculous things happen. There is greater victory. There is greater authority, and we come out without any harm having come to us. And we have to stand on the promise of God to let him fight our battles for us. Now, it's very tempting to want to, you know, let somebody have it and blast them and all that kind of stuff and defend yourself and get into this striving, but sometimes the more you think about it, the more you think to yourself, well, you know what? Let me give God a chance and see what he might do for me. You know what I'm saying? I, let me put this stuff down myself and give God a chance and see what he will do for me. And that doesn't mean that you don't pray. You don't speak the word. You don't prophesy. You don't bind the devil. You do all those activities. But then God comes in and finishes the devil off for you. You got me? He finishes off the enemy for you. Amen. Only God knows which ones. Uh, You know, sometimes in the enemy camp, there are people that will convert and serve him. He knows who those people are. We don't. And so he can go through and sort through. And everybody that's a true enemy, he will definitely cut down and destroy. And so when, when we see the enemy is there no more, we know that God has dealt with him them and God is, is pleased with our efforts and his kingdom gets established in a greater and greater way. That's really what this is about. Remember when God would tell Israel, you know, I'm giving you some land, but those people, there are people on that land. I want you to go in and destroy them because if you let them live, they'll be a snare to you. And see, we think, oh, you know, I don't care nothing about them. I'm strong. No, you're not. Hello. God already told you how to deal with things so you don't get ensnared and don't embrace that way of living because he knows it's enticing to human flesh. And so anything that will entice us, he will separate us from it, uh, tell us to voluntarily separate or destroy it. There are many things that, that, uh, you know, I can remember uh, collecting certain kinds of, of um, you know, statues and things like that. And and God would have me, you know, go through and say, now, you know, you don't want to get graven images and start worshiping. I said, I don't worship nothing. Yeah, but uh, see, can you not look at it? Can you not collect it? Can you pass up? You know, then it's got a hold on you. If you, you know, you don't want anything. God is a jealous God. He bought you and paid for you. He's not gonna let anything take you away from Him. And so, for that reason, He will fight battles for you because He discerns who the true enemy is. He knows how to defy- defeat every enemy that ever stands against us. And He said, no enemy will be able to stand before you. In other words, if you're standing nose to nose with the devil, He's gonna back down. You see, what if you keep going forward, make him back down. So he won't be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And that means when you're, you're a little kid, you can withstand the devil. When you get up in years, you can withstand the devil the same. All the days of your life, your power will be the same because God's the same. And he always fights for us. So our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. Pulling them down. And so we want to cast down ideas that come and and hinder the success of the word in our lives. You know, you can discern when a thought is coming to you and it's not coming from God. The Holy Spirit will let you know that. And so you don't exalt that idea, you cast it down. You know, if people say things like, oh, you know, Christians, they're haters, don't join in with them. You know, because in in really the church kind of gets that way. We're too critical of one another. And at some point, that criticism joins up with the criticism that comes from the world, and you're all one voice after a while. We wind up defeating ourselves that way. And so always be careful that your words build up God's people, not tear them down. Your words come into agreement with what God says about his people. And your words are edifying. They're, we're building and not destroying, unless you, of course you're destroying the enemy's work. So, but when it comes to people, make sure that you're building them in the Lord. When we when we allow when we hold our peace, we enable ourselves to stay close to God in trust and faith. When you shut up, it it means that you are trusting God. It means that you have restrained yourself and you want to see the greater victory come. And so you're expecting a greater victory than you could ever get on your own, in your own strength, in in any any arena like that. When you trust God, when he fights for you, he will send angels to destroy your enemies. First Chronicles 21.15 We'll go there next. I was thinking about doing this a different way, but I think I will just. As I wrote my notes down, I'm just going to repeat them here. First Chronicles 21.15. And God sent an angel into Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Stay now your hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing threshing floor of Onan the Jebusite. So you see, the Lord will send angels to do the work that he needs to have done. When you let God fight for you, there is great angelic activity in your life. Amen. Because this is how God fights. He has ministering spirits that come to minister to the heirs of salvation. They minister to us and they minister for us. So angels will come to destroy what God says to destroy. Ministry of angels is extremely active when we are under attack. So all we have to do is hold our peace and let our words stand in what God has said. Don't ever change your confession because of pressure. Amen. That's why the enemy sends pressure against us to get us to change what we say. I remember reading a book many years ago. There was a woman, Elizabeth Pruitt, wrote a book on on faith. And she said that God showed her a vision one time of the power of her words and she said that when she would pray and, and praise God and confess the word and pray the word she said the angels would start to move they would go and gather what she needed and move toward her and she said just as she sometimes was putting her hand out to get her answer she would say something negative or something would frustrate her and she would speak against that and the angel would back up and move away from her and so we have to make sure and see when it says hold your peace, that means don't let anything distract you and pull you over into the flesh where you will say something. And people say things, well, everybody gets this. No, you can't afford to. If you're looking for something, you can restrain yourself. You don't have to say everything that pops up in your head. You can, you can hold, hold that. And that's why it says you hold your peace. You hold on to it. You hold your tongue. And you hold on to the peace of God, which means that you are anticipating good. You're not anticipating anything uh, negative to come into your life. Revelations 12 and verse 7, you see another ministry of angels. And you see that quite a bit in the book of Revelation. Why? Because that's the end time warfare book, you know, if you will. It talks much about warfare and it talks much about overcoming and how the saints overcome. Revelation 12, what did I say? 12 and verse 7. It says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. So when angels fight, they prevail. Over the enemy, you got it. You may not do so good, but when you let the angels of God fight for you, they always prevail against the, the enemy. Amen. Because they're they are the greater force. They have a greater strategy. They have a greater leader. Everything about their numbers are greater. Two thirds of the angels in heaven are still with Jesus. They're not with Satan. It's just as Satan's devils always come down low. You know, they come always down low. When you feeling low, they right down there with you. They come low. They come to where you are. And so, the angels of God, we have to get in the spirit and, and seek God and, and get their help. So it takes a little effort. But Satan's demons chase after you, always whispering in your ear, coming telling you stuff, and get y'all upset about stuff, so they work in a low level, you know they work on ground level, but God's angels work in the heavenlies they they'll come down and fight, amen, but generally they meet the satan's uh uh higher higher demons in the air and withstand them. You got me. They fight princes and principalities. They don't fight these. And they make them big devils call the lesser ones off. Amen. Amen. (laughs) It's like, call off your dogs. Uh, And they obey them. They do. They do. Amen. So so they don't, you know, the angels of God, they come down to protect us. And oftentimes you'll feel their presence when, when you need protection. And you need that kind of thing. But as far as the fighting and withstanding, they'll bind the strong man. They'll get the big guy and make him call his little imps off your life. You know, you'll find they disappear and their place is seen no more. Amen. They're not going to chase every little crazy ratty devil down here. They'll just get his boss and (laughs) make his boss stop. Which makes sense. That's how you can see salvation come to a whole city at one time. They just took the... They took the boss down, you know, and that's that's how you fight. When, when you pray, when we pray, you see we take authority over bigger spirits and, you know, and the unholy trinity and, and things and fight on that level. You, you can't just fight on a run around, chase a devil here, chase a devil. You'd be chasing them all day long. Your weapons are mighty, amen, to pull down a stronghold that's been captivating people. Um, 1 Peter 3.22, let me see what that one says, that angels are in submission to the Lord. Let me see what I said there. 1 Peter 10.22, not 10, but uh, 3.22. Three, there you go. Okay, so it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ 21. It says the like figure wherein until even baptism the show also now save us not putting away of the filth of the flesh but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the re- resurrection of Jesus Christ who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So angels, authorities and powers are subject unto the Lord. So when, when, when we speak God's word out of our mouths by his spirit, it's the same thing as the Lord speaking. So we can put angels and principalities and powers under our authority as well just by speaking his word. That's what happens when you when you do things to obey God. You know, when, when the Lord told us to, to go and pray down at the queue, I was thinking to myself, well, we need to pick a day. We need to buy tickets. But that wasn't God's strategy. Sometimes you lose your edge when you buy a ticket and the devil knows when you're going to show up. You got me? Just a thought. You got me? I mean, seriously, when when you think he doesn't strategize against us. Amen. One of the advantages of holding your peace is that the, you don't blab to the devil everything you get ready to do. Huh? <laughs> Praise God. It's the truth. So also when, when you let when you hold your peace and let you God fight for you, God will trouble your enemies. And God will trouble your enemies. In Judges chapter seven, I think that's the one I wanted to share with you. Judges let's see. I think it's a story of Joshua, I wanna Yep, seven, and I think it's starting in verse thirteen or so. But Judges chapter seven, we'll start in verse nine. <clears throat> it says, and it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him speaking of Gideon, Arise, get you down into the host, for I have delivered it into your hand. You see that God says that all the time. I've already given it to you. So just go do what I say do. Go take it. But if you fear to go down, go down uh, with Pura, your servant, down to the host, and you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hands will be strengthened to go down into the host. Then he went down to Pura, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host, And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers, oh my God, for multitude. And their camels were without number, oh Lord, and as the numbers of the sand by the seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came now barley bread, that's Gideon, because that's what he was trying to bake when they, when God called him. Remember he was threshing barley on the floor. <laughs> that's him. So you know God'll say things where you identify you know you he talking about you. Gideon, he I'm not even gonna even say your name, but it's barley bread. That's what God says. Tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent And smote it that it fell and overturned in the tent lay along. Now, how could a little piece of bread overturn a tent? Just rolled on down there. In other words, Gideon, you won't have to do nothing, huh? But just roll on in and roll on out. (laughs) He said, This is nothing save the sword of Gideon and the sword of Joash, the, a, a man of Israel. For unto his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. And it was so. When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped and returned to the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And so we know that when, when uh, um Gideon when they finally did uh, win the battle it was by God discomforting the enemy. Over here in verse 21 let me see. Oh don't let me skip. I'm just going to read through it so we'll get a full understanding. It says verse 16 and he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet in every man's hand and empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. Hmm. And he said to them, look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, you shall do. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow your trumpets also on every side of the camp and say the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. So Gideon and the 300 men that were with him came into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch, so it's transition time, a little confusion, get the enemy off guard. Anytime there's a changing of the guard, I tell you, whenever, when I worked in hospitals, it was always during shift changes, code blue or code whoever it was, blue in one hospital, it was Dr. Hart in another hospital, it was code red in another one, but it shift change you could always counter. You go in there and you just somebody I just look I just checked this room. You go in there, somebody in blue and laying up there looking at you funny, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's whenever there's whenever there's a changing of the guard, there's a weakness in the watch. You got me? And so that's why God never slumbers or sleeps. You set a watch, you keep your watch. Amen. Don't always be too late to pray. You got me? Pray on time sometimes, confuse the devil. He'd be real shocked if you praying on time. He said, oh my goodness, <laughs> let me get busy. I was waiting on them to be late again, right? So you know what I'm saying though. And so he said, they newly set a watch and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. Now, they're outside of the camp. They're not even in there where the enemy is and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hand to blow withal, all. And they cried, The sword of Gideon and the sword of the Lord. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran. Now these people are sitting around, and it says they look like grains of sand for multitude. There's so many of them. They're they're littered all over the the edge of the inside of the camp in like sands of the sea, and when they heard that, they got up and cried and ran. They stood every man in his place round about the camp, and the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew their trumpets, and the Lord said, Every man sword against his fellow, even without all the host, and the host fled. And it, and the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and Asher and out of Manasseh. And pursued after the Midianites. So it looks like they said that noise that they made discomforted the enemy. It it disquieted the enemy. It made the enemy run in terror and run in fear. And that's exactly what God does with the devil every time we pray. He will run in terror and run in fear. The Bible says submit to the Lord, resist the devil and he will run in terror from you. Amen. You know, the devil's really scared of humanity. He just keeps people buffaloed with a lot of stuff. But once you submit to God, in the, the, the fear of God will fall on the devil then instead of the fear of the devil falling on you all the time. So they had a supernatural response to human sounds. Amen. Their response, what they heard, was supernaturally amplified. And it put terror on the inside of them. So God will trouble your enemies. They were troubled very greatly and fled in fear. 2 Kings 7.5, God will strike terror into the heart of the enemy. Amen. 2 Kings 7.5, find that one. And this is the, the story about the four lepers who were sitting outside of the Syrian camp. <clears throat> it says here, let me think, I don't want to go. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, verse 3, there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate, and they said to one another, why sit we here until we die? Amen. So these are men who make a decision to move at the prompting of God. Holding your peace does not mean that you don't move at the prompting of God. But he is the one who does the fighting. Usually God's, God wants you to go make a little noise so that he can see your faith. Uh, you must do, You must exercise faith in some way in order for God to respond. So many of these things that he gives them to do are just faith exercises. Uh, you can pretty much do anything that God tells you to do and it will work. It doesn't have to make sense. It, what, what's blowing trumpets and banging breaking pitchers supposed to do to scare people off? You understand what I'm saying? But it worked when it's a response of God in a situation. And it says here, if we say we'll go in the city, then the famine is in the city and we'll die there. If we sit here, we'll die also. He said, now therefore come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we'll live. But if they kill us, we'll only die. So they were facing death either way. So they said, let's go down fighting. Let's go down on our own terms. Amen. Let's go down making a decision. But don't sit here and wait for death to come and claim us. We're not going to do that. They rose up in the twilight. To go to the camp of the Syrians and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For this is what happened when the Lord fights for you. The Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and that of a great host. And they said one to another, Oh, Lord, the king of Israel has hired all these people to come. They've got all kind of people up here. Let's flee so we can go. So they arose and fled in the twilight, left their tents, horses, money, kids, wives. You know what I'm saying? Anything that wasn't ready to run, they left it there. They left in a hurry. So when the lepers came in, they saw all the spoil. that was. They didn't even have to fight for it. didn't shed shed blood didn't do anything God owns everything he gives it to whoever he wants to you know there are a lot of people that think uh, you know when they see our prayers we're praying to bankrupt this and bankrupt Planned Parenthood because it's our taxpayer money they're using people say stuff well you can't take their money (laughs) that's my daddy's money hello that's my allowance for the next year dad's money they got they don't own nothing the devil's a liar and a th- they work for a liar and a thief anyway 2nd uh, Samuel five twenty-three. he will send his angel to fight for you a lot of angelic antiqu- activity when you people always want to so and so is an angel no my angel is not a human my angel is a real angel about 10 or 12 feet tall? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Which one did I say? Second Samuel 5? Yeah. yeah, Second Samuel 5. I think it's verse 23. And this is one of David's fights with the Philistines. Thank you, Jesus. Trying to see if I can find where the angel shows up. Well, I'll just start in verse 22. The Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, you shall not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. So he says, don't confront the enemy. Sneak up on him this time. Hmm? And let it be when you hear the sound of the going in the tops of the mulberry trees that then you shall uh, stir yourself and then shall the Lord go out before you to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines. Now the sound of the going in the tops of the mulberry trees were angels walking across the tops of the trees to go in to fight before him. Amen. And so David actually knew that angels had gone before him to fight for him. That was the host of the Lord going. And he knew that they were going. He said, God said, just wait until you hear them, and you'll know that they've gone ahead of you to fight for you. Amen. 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 That God is so good. He When he says he's our shield, our banner, and our great reward. He means that. He means he doesn't want us to, to hurt one minute. Amen. 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 In 2 Kings 20, 29. 1 Kings, I'm sorry, 20, 29. 1 Kings. 1 Kings twenty twenty nine. Okay, when you when you hold your peace, he will cause the atmosphere to turn against the enemy. Causes the atmosphere to turn against the enemy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me see where I want to start. Verse twenty six. We get First Kings twenty. All right. I think I start in twenty six. It came to pass at the return of the year that Ben Hadad numbered the Syrians, went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were numbered, and were all present, and went against them, and the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids, but the Syrians filled the country. And there came a man of God and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, the Lord is the God of the hills, but he is not the God of the valleys. Therefore, I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So the the enemy thinks that God, their God can only fight in one arena. No. <laughs> Somebody going to be shocked. And they pitched one over against the other seven days and so it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined and the children of Israel slew of the Syrians a hundred thousand footmen in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek into the city and there there a wall fell upon twenty and seven thousand of the men that were left. Ben-Hadad fled and came into the city into an inner chamber and his servants said to him, Behold now. We have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us, I pray thee, put our sackcloth upon our loins and ropes upon our heads, and go to the king of Israel. Perhaps he will save your life. So they girded sackcloth on their loins, put on their, put ropes on their heads, and came to the king of Israel. And said, your servant Ben hadad said. I pray thee, let me live. And he said, is he yet alive? He is my brother. Now the men did diligently observe whether anything would come from him and did hastily catch it. And they said, thy brother Ben-Hadad. Then he said, go bring him. Then Ben-Hadad came forth and he caused him to come up into a chariot. And he said to him, "The cities which my father took from your father, I will restore. And you shall make streets for and shall make streets for you in Damascus, and my father made in Samaria." And they said, "Ahab, I will send you away with this covenant." So he made a covenant with him and sent him away. I see this was against what God wanted to do. You see, when you get your mind involved in things, that you can, and Ahab of course made league with the enemy. And spared the enemy and Ben-Hadad lived to defeat him and fight another day. But God caused the atmosphere to turn against the enemy. They said he's only the God of the hills, he's not the God of the valleys. And God showed him, he defeated him right in that valley. Amen. When you trust the Lord, he will cause the enemy to fight one another. And they fight one another. Second Chronicles... 22 and this is a story about the Ammonites I think and the Moabites it says verse 22 oh, the, the children of Israel rose early in verse 20 in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. Can you imagine going out to war and singing? no that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to see, that's a war song. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said, ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy the other. And so the enemy will fight one another and and not fight you when you stand for God. He will cause them to turn on one another. And he says when Judah verse 24 when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness they looked unto the multitude and behold there were dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them they found among them in abundance both riches with dead bodies precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away and they were three days in gathering spoil it was so much. And on the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of Barakah, for they were for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the same place is called the Valley of Barakah until this day. Then they returned every month, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them, to go again to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies and that's the other thing when you trust God, He will cause you to rejoice over your enemies. Amen. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on the kingdoms of... And this is what happens when you trust God. You hold your peace. You let him fight. The people that you see fighting against him will now fear God. This is what you want. You want people to be converted to the truth. The ones who told you Christians were haters and, you know, you're mean people and you don't love anybody, all that. They'll swallow those lies because the fear of God will come upon them. When they heard that the Lord of Israel fought, for, fought the enemies of Israel, so the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for God gave him rest. And that's peace. When you hold your peace, God allows you to stay in peace, give you rest from your enemies. You won't have to be fighting everybody day and night. You know, God will He'll give you a rest and your enemies will go and leave you alone and forget you're there, ignore you, walk past you like they don't see you, they don't fight anymore, all of the above. Because when you hold your peace, God knows that you trust him and not in your own power and own strength. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for giving us understanding. Of how you fight for us. We are people of peace. We are people of love. We are people of great understanding. But we are people who know our enemy as well. And we stand against him. We prophesy against the things that the enemy is doing in this earth. And we thank you Lord that you have given us authority over all evil works. And we take our authority at every turn, and we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up.